Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. I'm going to fade this away because it's altogether too jaunty. I'm Shane Richmond. I'm here uh, in place of our usual host, Gaz Poole, who apparently has something better to do with his Friday night. Um, We have gathered for not an altogether cheerful podcast this time. For those of you who've missed the news uh, on Thursday, Thursday evening UK time, but Thursday afternoon in the US, uh, the Ravens lost during practice Marcus Peters, Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards, both of them uh, to season ending ACL injuries. They're done for the year. This comes after three season-ending injuries already. So that's now a total of five. LJ Fort, uh, J.K. Dobbins, and Justice Hill, the other three who had already gone down. Um, so uh, Gaz may be too depressed to join us uh, because this episode is going to be like a Bengals playoff run, uh, short and painful. Uh, joining me for the horrors are Ben Mortimer and James Ogden. Um, what stage of grief are you at, guys? Um, I, I think I'm at reluctant acceptance now. I've, I've gone beyond. I was initially it was just shock and numbness when I because it, it's not fair to yeah. for that to come through at kind of nine or nine thirty on a Thursday night when you're just kind of trying to look and watch something, you know, with, with your wife on the sofa and suddenly it's kind of sorry, turn this off. I need to try and digest what's going on on social media and pretend this isn't happening. So um, yeah, and then this morning I woke up and it was kind of a no, that wasn't actually a nightmare. This is, you know, you know when something really bad has happened the previous day, or you've done something you really regret, and then you wake up and you think, "Oh no, that really did happen." It was exactly it, like that, it, wasn't it? That sort of settling feeling yeah. of like something bad happened yesterday. What was it? Oh yeah. But now I'm kind of a acceptance, and I think I'm on the verge of optimism. But that might be just because I'm drinking a Jack Daniels and go. <laughs> James, how about you? I think I go, I think I reverse cycle grief. So I feel like I, I accepted and was like, we're fine. Like uh, maybe that's just, maybe I just go straight to denial. I don't know. Um, but I, I've kind of at the point now where I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, and I think the the bigger the bigger uh, challenge for me, I think, given the, like they they um, you know we're going to get to it, I'm sure, but um, they've at least addressed some of the issues at running back. I'm, I'm particularly disappointed to to not be watching Marcus Peters play this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that. You know, we went from a couple of weeks ago, everyone saying, we're stacked at defensive back. It's absolutely brilliant. In fact, we can just trade one away. It's fine. Have have extras. Uh, and then suddenly we're now, well, I guess not in crisis of, as far as cornerbacks go, but certainly one away from being in a worrying position. So uh, I think the big question, so certainly my question was like, well, what have we done? to deserve this this season it's the most ridiculous i saw the first thing i saw was that whatsapp just kind of blew up there's the uk ravens whatsapp group suddenly all these messages came through and of course they were all reaction messages so people just going oh my god what how has this happened what's going on and i thought what, what does this mean and then when i went onto twitter it was actually worse than i thought two players gone down um and everyone kind of suspected season-ending injuries pretty early on and of course that was then confirmed um are we right to feel hard done by ben are we getting like a a, a fuzzier end of the stick than normal 
I don't think we are. I think we're right to feel hard done by because any fan of any team, if something like this happens, is is going to say, why always me? You're going to get Mario Balotelli about it. That's an old reference there. But if you don't watch the other football, it makes no sense. But uh, I think um, it's it's a natural reaction. This goes back to the uh, sort of the stages of, of of grief, and and I think anger is one of the. I haven't really looked it up, but I think it is, and it's early. Um, and you do look for someone to blame because it seems unjust. But I think if you if you look back at um, historically the Ravens, you know, the, the, I think there's a narrative that Harbaugh runs, you know, a, a boot camp. Because uh, Billick used to be called Camp Cream Puff by by, mm-hmm. by you know in the league, and it's kind of the uh, the polar opposite. But and it, it does run it hard. But if you look back at the um, the the uh, the healthiness of the teams uh, from previous seasons for the Ravens, it kind of paints a different picture. I mean, in the fourteen and two season two years ago, we were the healthiest team in the league. Last year, we were in the top quarter apparently of healthy teams, despite the fact that we missed nearly the entire squad to a COVID outbreak against the Steelers. So, uh, and obviously, but then you counter that with twenty fifteen, which a lot of people remember for a long, long time, because we were just utterly cursed that year. But again, that kind of goes against what you've got around that. So I think all teams suffer horrendous injuries. The Niners were a prime example last year. Um, but as we uh, as we look at the overall picture, yeah, we still have a lot of very, very good players that are going to be playing on Monday night. So, um, you know, it's I think after the initial anger, um, we, 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 we might not be as bad as, as, as feared. I think it's easy to lose track of the fact that, as you say, every team goes through these injuries and we pay closest attention, of course, to to the Ravens and we sort of ignore the injury reports coming through for, for other teams. The um, the ACL thing in particular feels like it's um, some sort of outbreak of them that's happened. I mean, I, I looked up the, the, the most reliable stat I could find was that the the average NFL team in an average year can expect one and a half ACL injuries. So obviously that's why it's an average. You can't injure half an ACL, but um, one and a half. So we have gone to almost three times that, but you're talking about such small numbers that it only takes a couple of freak incidents, which is from the description we had at the press conference today. That's exactly what happened on Thursday. You have a couple of freak incidents and then suddenly you're at three times the league average and and that's the way that it works out. I mean, as you say, the first reaction, there's this sense of anger, there's this sense of we've got to find somebody to blame. And I noticed immediately uh, on on Facebook, on WhatsApp and uh, on Twitter, there were people saying that it was Harbour running too hard at training camp or it was the, the ground staff or the training staff or it's got to be somebody who has messed up somewhere. Mike Preston of the Baltimore Sun, never never one to react calmly to a situation, said that there must be an inquiry immediately as to how this could have happened. Um, but I think we need to put the conspiracy theories to rest. This isn't some flaw in the Ravens training plan, is it, James? This is a, a fluke. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I really don't think it is. I saw a thing on Twitter about someone saying that, you know, the I think it was Emmanuel Acho actually who was saying that, you know, we um, when he used to play, they they used to have uh, monitors on the on the players and um, depending on how hard they were working at times and how how much sort of um, activity they'd undertaken, and um, if they would undertake too much at, at training as far as the the physical specialists, the physios, the doctors, Seth, and they they pull them out of out of practice. Um, I, I I 
there's nothing to suggest the Ravens weren't doing that. He was suggesting that they weren't. I, I would be surprised. It's an extremely forward-thinking, very well-run organization. I'd be very surprised if they weren't doing that. Um, and, the, and then the other thing is the nature of the injuries. You know, there, there were freak injuries, non-contact injuries. So I'm not really sure that there's anything that can be done. I think it's bad luck. I actually think the Ravens, as a well-run organization, will probably run some sort of light-touch inquiry um, and just, like, to check their bases to make sure that everything is fine. But, you know, people who have been, you know, all right for Russell Street Report now and a lot of the guys, they, they sort of rotate and go out and watch training camp and, and you know, all of the all of the time I hear like the, the glowing reviews of the practice facilities of the practice field, you know, it, it's a ridiculous, ridiculously well-run organization. And the, the, the castle is a, is a stunning facility. So I'd be very, very surprised. Um, I think they, they clearly have, um, I think have pretty good medical experts. Um, you know, there've been players that in the draft over the years that we've been out on, um, who they seem to have been proved right on. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm very sceptical as to how much could have been done about this. Um, and I, I, I would imagine you would echo that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I think that um, it's it's one of those situations where you have two freak incidents that come very close together. And automatically, because of the way we tend to think, we kind of think, well, that can't have happened by chance. There must have been some reason for that, because these things don't happen by chance. But of course, the nature of random events is that sometimes they do just come in weird sequences. It would look like some part of a pattern. And um, it's, as you say, they're non-contact injuries. The, the ACL is... It, it's one of those things where you can quite easily injure it when you're shifting your weight basically very quickly. So cutting, um, players who are landing quite often can can injure it. And fatigue, is, it makes it worse, which is why, as you say, that some teams are monitoring load and so on. But I think, you know, we're a long way away from the 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 era of the NFL in the 60s where it was frowned upon to have a drink of water because you were supposed to show how tough you were in practice and training camp and it was kind of we'll run the team into the ground and the ones who are still alive when the season starts will be our starting team these guys they invest a ton of money in these guys they they want the absolute best players out on the field they're not going to be out there trying to hurt them it would just be insane um so really you, you the only possibility is that they've something they've somehow missed which seems incredibly unlikely for an injury as common of the, as this in nfl terms yeah i think they were both and they're both slightly different the way they incurred the injuries but i mean peters especially was a non-contact drill he went he, he wasn't touched was he and he was doing something that he'd, he's done dozens and dozens of times before it's a fairly routine you know cornerback uh, drill and um, he just went down the wrong way and, and there it was um it's gutting but it is what it is isn't it i suppose in all the blame that's being thrown around i'm surprised that nobody's blamed knees because they're they're remarkably poorly designed for what we do with them they basically they were designed when we were mostly moving around on four limbs and now we're on two and evolution didn't really have time to catch up because we did that quite quickly. Uh, and so you have these two quite small um, ligaments in the middle of your knee, the, the ACL and the PCL at the front and the back, uh, and then two quite small ones on either side, the MCL and the LCL. And like I say, they were designed to, to take roughly a quarter of your weight. And if you look up 
how much of your weight goes through your knees, even when you're walking upstairs, but definitely when you're sprinting, like the, the, the number of multiples of your weight that goes through your knees. It's pretty amazing that they, they stand up to the kind of treatment we put them through as it is. But um, once you have, you know, elite athletes changing direction very rapidly or being hit or doing all of that kind of stuff, um, then these injuries are unfortunately going to happen. It's just a huge blow that the Ravens have had such rotten luck without week one even having happened. I would like to have seen fans get angry with knees, though. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Like They're all sort of smacking them with rulers. Damn you, knees. Yeah. You're ruining my team's chances. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Thurman Thomas said that he um, he was the, the running back for the Buffalo Bills in the late 80s and early 90s. He says he played his entire career with a torn ACL. Um, because back in those days, uh, if you had surgery to repair the ACL, it was certainly going to put you out for a couple of years and it could be career ending in itself. So essentially you just wore a brace on your knee to support it, rehabbed it pretty much constantly, and then had the surgery at the end of your career. But now we've come along so far in, you know, that's 30 years ago. Um, there's, there's now no reason to think that these guys won't come back and, and play at their highest level um, within certainly within a year, pretty much. Although apparently players generally report that it takes about two years from the injury before you feel like you're at your best. Yeah, I think for Dobbins, the the um, the, the kind of comparator will be Dalvin Cook, who, who did it about the same time. Um, and it did take him, yeah, he came back the next year, but it took him another year to get to what we'd seen um, his rookie year. I think it was his, his second year he did it. Um, so I think that's probably the comparator. I think you can kind of you can expect him back next year, but I'm not sure you can expect him back at his best. Um, it's probably a couple of years down the line, which is really unfortunate, really, with Dobbins because you know that that will be his you know his contract year when when he gets back to to full speed. So um, it's unfortunate for us in terms of investment because you think about draft picks as an investment and and how long they how long you're going to have them for, um, and you know to. to to lose him for a, at least a year of the contract, possibly, um, and possibly not have him at his best for a second year is is kind of not getting great value out of out of a draft pick. You know, when 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 players are at their then they're sort of most valuable to a team because of the salary. Well, I mean, it's even more unfortunate for from a personal level for Marcus Peters because he's twenty nine, and you know if he's not back to his best for two more years, he'll be thirty one. He's going into the last year of his contract anyway next year. Um and uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty. I mean, obviously, you know, we we know that the um the peak performance of CBs is normally kind of mid twenties to around about where he is now. So um, feel for Marcus because he was really feeling it. You got the you got the feeling from if you watched any of the really really excellent Ravens production stuff um from the preseason and how he was kind of mentoring. The young cornerbacks and uh, how he was saying that it kind of coming to Baltimore rejuvenated his love for the game. Um, it's it's rough to see. So uh, yeah, but it is. And these injuries are you know it's always frustrating for for athletes to have to miss time. But when you are basically ruled out of an entire season, that's just you know NFL players can 
can can count those seasons so you know the average is is four and a bit i think um i think the players we're talking about here will expect longer careers than that and peters has already had a longer career than that but it's it's a big chunk out of your professional playing career when you lose a season um so the plan then to to fill gaps so ben fill us in on what the ravens have been doing since those injuries happened well obviously we've lost um most of our running back room now. Um, so with uh, with JK last week and now uh, uh, Gus dropping out and then Justice Hill uh, with his injury as well. Um, but as usual with the Ravens, they've not been slow in reacting. Um, so as well as uh, Le'Veon Bell's signing, which we touched on in the last show, uh, we brought in uh, Devonta Freeman, uh, and that was last night. Straight away, DeCosta was on the phone and getting him uh, signed up. And then uh, we've confirmed today that we've got Latavius Murray, um, who's immediately been activated to the 53. So Devonta Freeman and uh, Le'Veon Bell are still on the practice squad. Uh, Latavius Murray on the on, on the full 53 squad and expected to um, be the guy to potentially at least split carries with Tyson Williams, if not take over the uh, the bulk of the workload once he's started the playbook and uh, you know obviously Murray uh, is a proven commodity he's 31 but um he's had a couple of uh, pretty solid years in New Orleans um I think the point was made by Gordon McGuinness who we had a couple of weeks ago I saw on Twitter that um provided the O-line holds up most competent backs should excel in the Ravens system so um I think once he does come up to speed it was as good as we could have got considering how late this has happened. Um, and uh, also from what we've seen as far as uh, Tyson Williams, uh, certainly in the last preseason game as well, and his attitude um, to embracing that kind of backup role um, before what happened last night. Um, the one-two punch should be okay. So, um, yeah, that's that's where we are. And I don't know what uh, what James's take on it is, but I think we've, we've done okay out of a, a really bad situation. Yeah, I, I would agree, Ben. I think, um, especially at running back, you know, we, we, we've we've retooled. Um, I think Devonta Freeman and Le'Veon Bell being on the practice squad makes sense to me. Um, Latavius Murray is um, just a, a really good fit for the offense. Um, you know, Murray, he's a kind of decisive downhill runner, one-cut runner. Um, he's played in, in front of a kind of a very multiple offense in the Saints. You know, the Saints run. Um, a lot of gap. They run a lot of um, a lot of zone. They run a lot of geo. So they they run um, quite a quite a multiple playbook in terms of their running game. Um, so he is used to running behind. Uh, you know, running in power, power running with power runs. Um, I think the, the he's he runs with quite a high pad level. Um, which if people sort of understand player analysis, it's uh, you would expect a running back to. To successful NFL running backs to to keep their pads pretty low because they they have to go into contact and low man wins. Um, but Murray's been in the league I think seven years now, um, and so you know if he's if he's successful with a high pad level now he's he's fine. Like he doesn't need to need to be adjusting himself. Um, his vision and the way he sets up his blocks is is excellent. Um, if you watch him, he he has a very similar style to Gus. Um, 
I would probably say Gus probably breaks a few more tackles and is a bit more physical through contact. But Murray is also physical through contact. He's just, I think, Gus probably has a slightly better contact balance, is able to take a, a hit, ride it, and carry on a bit better than Murray, um, which is probably the, about the centre of gravity thing that I talked about before. Um, he's kind of sneaky, explosive, bit of sneaky speed. Um, he's actually a really good receiver out, well, a solid receiver out of the backfield as well. He's caught a lot more balls than Gus has done over course of his career. Um, so I like the fit a lot. It was the best we could do, I think. You know, short of trading for someone, which, you know, it's, a, it's probably a silly thing to do to trade draft capital for a running back. So um, I really like it. I, I'm I'm high on Tyson Williams anyway. I, I think I mentioned him a good five six podcasts ago. Um, so, but it, it was against second and third stringers, so we shouldn't get too carried away with Tyson Williams till we see him in the in the um, in the in the regular season. But I, I feel like they've done a good job. Um, and and as you said, Ben um, Gordon's point on Twitter really does stand. You know, like this 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 offense. Um, is is a ridiculously good running offense, and you know you think back to um, two years ago um, when they were setting all kinds of records. You know, um, Mark Ingram was excellent that year, um, but he, you know, he wasn't, you know, a special explosive back. Um, he was just a good professional running back, and that's that's what we've we've picked up in Latavius Murray. So, yeah, there was some talk that we might look at um, trading for Ingram to bring him back from the Texans, but I would think the big problem you've got there is as soon as you pick up the phone to the Texans and say you're interested in trading for Mark Ingram, and they know that all of the running backs you had on the roster last season are now injured, then they'll say, sure, but uh, we're going to name our price, and it's not going to be cheap, is it? So I can't yeah. see how that would have been realistic. It is the Texans. They no. probably would have given us a third as well, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> That is always a possibility, yeah. <laughs> we'll have Laramie Tunsil too. Um, no, the, I think the, the other thing about that is the kind of the familiarity. And, and Ian actually um, messaged me and said he wanted me to mention um, the mesh point um, stuff. So obviously when we run when we run a lot of our plays, there's a there's a mesh point between the quarterback and the quarterback and the running back um, where um, the quarterback will, will, so will take the ball out or keep the ball depending on the read of the defensive end usually. Um so they'll be looking at the defensive end to see what, what the defensive end is doing and depending on what he does, and they will be left unblocked to the defensive end. Um, the quarterback will decide whether to keep it or to give it to the running back. Um, Latavius Murray, I don't believe... I think I saw a tweet just before I came on from Spencer Schultz um, that he hasn't he hasn't run an awful lot of, of that. Um, uh, he's mostly run from, from behind Drew Brees on the centre, basically. Um, so it's a slightly different technique for a running back. Um, there's a kind of um, step replace that you do at the start, which is called a J step, um, which is an un- unfamiliar movement to, to running backs if they haven't done it before. Um, and they do have to sort of keep their shoulders square to the line of scrimmage, which they don't always have to do on, on other runs. So there's a little bit of technique to learn if you haven't done it before. Um, and there's definitely something to learn. So where the quarterback sort of gives the ball to the running back and, and holds it for a while and sort of moves forward with the running back. Um, there's something to get to know a, a quarterback that does that. And Lamar is quite unusual. He will hold the ball for a, for a very long time sometimes and pull it out at the last second. Um, and you have to kind of get to know that. And that only comes with reps. So I suspect they will keep him out of those concepts that include mesh, uh, mesh with the quarterback for the first couple of games. Um, or at least keep it limited, and then into the future they'll they'll use him a bit more on those concepts um, as he starts to learn 
and sort of learn how to play with Lamar, um, with Lamar being a, a, a kind of a different, very different type of guy that runs that runs that offense. And even with the guys who are pretty experienced in that system and have a lot of reps, we've seen the occasional fumble at that mesh point where you, it's clear that each of them thought the other one was keeping the ball, and there's just a there's just a moment of confusion. Yeah, and it's and it's on the quarterback. That is the thing. The, the quarterback is in control, so the running back really just has to learn the quarterback's tendencies. And um, you know, it's it's on Lamar. Lamar's it is all Lamar's decision. If he decides to pull it at the last minute and there's a fumble, that's on Lamar. It's not really on the running back. It's rare that you would you would sort of charge a running back with that fumble um, if that was the case. So it, it, in some ways, it's it's not a huge deal, but it is also, I think, a bit of a deal for the first couple of weeks, probably. So in terms of looking forward, there's kind of two, two things to look at particularly. One is obviously how this affects the season, but, to, but in the short term, there's a game to play on Monday, and only one running back on the roster who knows the playbook as far as i can tell so does that mean that you get the somebody like murray who's just come in you get him to run some very basic running plays that he's comfortable with do you put together a game plan that's very heavy on passing how do you cope with the fact that the ravens have typically run this very run heavy offense by committee and now they don't really have a committee they can rely on to to, to run the full playbook. You, you've got to play your game. Um, so I, I wouldn't be getting away from the running game if I were the Ravens. I, I would I would run Tyson Williams a lot. Um, you know, running the ball against the Raiders is is really important. That that front, um, I, I, as I think I said in the podcast, is not really made for stopping the run. You know, you could you could you'll run straight into Hankins. That'll be a problem. But you know, the edges. Um, you really can challenge that team with your with a good running game, and the the system is what works for the Ravens. So we we really like Tyson Williams will have some success because of this because of the scheme, and I think you can bring in Murray. You know uh, the the verbiage and the communication might be different, but a lot of the concepts will be the same that he's seen um, in New Orleans. So I would expect that he will be able to to come in. And 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 play a decent amount of snaps and have a decent amount of carries in the first game. Um, you, you just have to run the ball against them. I, I I'd be really wary of moving away from that too much. And one of the other reasons why you have to kind of run the ball and with the running backs a bit is because they are going to be susceptible to to Lamar running the ball, um, and you have to keep them off Lamar running the ball um, with with our running backs running the ball. Um, I think I've mentioned last week that. The inverted veer will be a bit of a problem, which is mm. the the run where Lamar keeps the keeps the ball um, and uh, sort of runs up the gut, and you see the the running back was was stepped to the side of him in in the shotgun, and will sort of it, it looks like he's the running back is faking to go out wide on a on an outside run, and Lamar keeps it and runs it up the middle. Um, that one will be a bit of a problem. They won't be able to run that one as much because you had to respect Dobbin's speed on that play, and we we don't necessarily have that anymore. But you, like I said, you just you have to play your game, um, and and trust Tyson Williams um, and Murray to an extent. So Ben, has it changed how you feel going into this Monday game? Are you less optimistic about the Raiders? Uh, no, I'm not less optimistic about the Raiders. Uh, having thought about it um, <laughs> after the initial shock wore off, I, I think we still have enough to um, to win this one and win it um, with a little bit to spare, provided we. Um, stay to our game plan and as James eloquently just pointed out I think um, 
we have enough to keep them honest on, in the running game. And uh, yeah, it's not like Latavius Murray's wet behind the ears or doesn't know how to you know get yards up the gut. So, um, and I also do trust Tyson Williams to uh, to get it done as well. I mean, um, it, yeah, I've got him in three of my fantasy team for God's sake. So, um, so I think I think we'll be okay there. My, my um, you know, we're coming back to the other injury, which we haven't really touched on. I don't know if we're going to spend a bit more time uh, chatting about Marcus's uh, loss, but um, I, I, I'm I'm not worried so much about the Raiders. I, I'd, I would maybe reduce my uh, margin from forty two twenty four to, you know, maybe forty two thirty five or something, uh, or thirty thirty three. But um, but I'm I'm definitely uh, more worried about the KC game. I, I thought we were going to lose that anyway. Um, and I think um, I, I do have my concerns about uh, losing Peters and inheriting Averett as a starting CB against Pat Mahomes, and uh, that could be a big problem. But for the Raiders, I, th- I still think we'll 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 come out through adversity and win that one. Yeah. So the the absence of Peters, um, it is pretty much next man up mode for for the Ravens on this one, which is why it's slightly different to the running back. Um, injury where suddenly we are without everyone who played the position last season. Um, the coaches have been pretty high on Averett through through um, preseason, really raving about him. Um, what have you guys seen? Do you do you agree with those opinions from what you've seen of his play? I think before James does the deep dive, because I did just kind of um, you know slate him a little bit, which. I wasn't intending to do, it, but but I think that when you're comparing over it with Peters, there's a natural drop off um, just in sheer ball skills um, and 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 I think commanding that position. Obviously, what you do gain with over it is is less unpredictability. Um, you know, Marcus uh, does like to gamble, and maybe he was going to do it a bit less. I mean, you know, you learn season on season, and uh, and I think he was in position to have a great great season uh, opposite um, opposite Humphrey, but. Um, yeah, I think Averett just—he's—he's um, he's looked solid. I think that's that's the way you can sum it up. In in, in preseason, he's looked solid. Yeah, his attitude's great, and, and but you get this year year in year out, you get coaches praising the attitude of of cornerbacks, and that's terrific. But when you suddenly find yourself in a you know in the in the heat of action in a regular season game against a top tier wide receiver, uh, it's a different story, and a top tier quarterback. That can can expose your weaknesses. It's a different story, and and you know all I've got to go on as far as regular season is seeing Averett in regular season when he's subbed in previously, and on occasion being beaten pretty badly um, in those one on one matchups. So um, that's my concern. I think I think he's a, he's a serviceable CB two, but it, it takes us from being an elite DB unit to a above average DB unit, um, and I think we need to make sure that. You know, we we can't make sure that anyone stays healthy, but you know, Jimmy Smith staying healthy would be uh, great as far as just uh, if nothing more, veteran presence and, and giving Averett you know as much support as possible as well. Um, and Tavon Young, which I mentioned last night, you know, he's if anyone's due an injury-free season, it's Tavon Young, and obviously he's not going to be on the outside necessarily. He'll be playing slot, uh, but uh, um, but we need those guys now that we've lost. Peters to stay healthy so that we um, go from, uh, we don't go from being an embarrassment of riches to really scraping again at another position. Yeah, I I would, I would agree, Ben. I I I think the thing with, with Ava is we, we just haven't, 
No, let's th- let me start with Peters because I, I, Peters is. A, I, I love watching Marcus, Marcus Peters play. Um, I learn things about the game when I watch Marcus Peters play. Um, like I think you're right, Ben. He does gamble, um, and you know there are times when you could do without that. Um, I think the the Ravens' defense and and him were a marriage made in heaven, and have kind of allowed him to to be to be a guy that could potentially, you know. Um, that could could gamble and take risks and 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 make more plays than he would do in other offense and other defenses, and so he's he is a huge loss. And you know, on the spectrum of corners, from kind of if anyone watched the the opening game last night, on the spectrum of corners from maybe Anthony Brown with the Cowboys up to Marlon Humphrey with with the Ravens. Peters is much more towards the Humphrey end, and um, and you know is is one of the very best in the league. So, it, like you say, it takes that it takes that group down a notch um, in terms of quality. Um, however, we've like we've also seen some flashes from Averett that have been very good. He he was very good against uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, so last season or the season two before, years ago against uh, Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, two years ago, wasn't it? I think he's he he is an improving player. I, I really liked him um, coming out of Alabama. I thought he was um, kind of a little bit underdrafted. I was pretty happy we picked him up where we picked him up um, for an Alabama corner with length. Um, so I do think that he will at least be solid. Um, you know, he isn't going to, you know, going to, be as bad as some of the corner play we saw last night. Um, he will give up plays. Um, that is just the nature of the NFL. He will be beaten. Um, you know, when you're sort of learning player evaluation, you you learn that there's there's kind of a spectrum, and um, the <laughs> a lot of it is around the competition in the NFL. What level of competition are you playing? Um, and Anthony Averett will will lose will lose reps against good competition who he will face, um, especially as the Ravens don't trail receivers very often. They don't they don't move Marlon Humphrey around on the on the opposition's best receiver all the time. They will just let let them play. Um, but having said that, they have a lot of confidence in Avera and I think I think he will do a do a pretty good job. Um I think the other person to kind of factor into this, um, and <laughs> I mean the the darling of camp was Chris Westry, which I, I'm sure we'll see we'll see a bit more of Westry. But the other guy I want to factor in is Brandon Stevens, um, who I don't think will play outside corner um, because I think they they want him at safety eventually. But he will be a versatile defensive back for us this year, and I think you'll see him play some matchups. Um, I think they'll bring him in in certain scenarios. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they deploy Stevens. It won't necessarily just be Avery, I think, that makes up for Peters. I think we'll see we'll see them get a little bit creative with personnel too. But it, it's a big loss. Peters is just there's no denying it. Um, he really does affect. Like he's he's a very you know he he is an he is an outstanding player. And and yes, the Ravens' defensive scheme will will cover up lots of things. But Peters is a bit of an X factor and. Um, you know, we will miss the the turnovers that he creates throughout the year. Yeah, and also the 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 Ravens defense kind of relies on having that really good backfield, so that Wenk can bring pressure from all over the place and send a lot of guys and leave everybody one on one over the top. So um, Wenk has has had the luxury really of not having to worry about protecting a corner. He may have to protect some guys a little bit more than he would normally but um to try and find a bright side in it it's it's phenomenal experience for those guys who would otherwise have been waiting 
behind two veterans that um, Ava and now is going to get an awful lot of reps. And then some of those other guys are going to get in and play more than they would have in previous seasons. So if the Ravens really want to know what they've got in that, that, that cornerback depth and who, who they want to keep going forward, particularly um, depending on how Peters recovers and, you know, how he goes into his sort of 30 and 31 year old seasons. Uh, this is a good time to, to be able to do that, I guess. It just always brings me back to um, to thinking about the fact that the, one of the best quarterback twos in the in the league is Darius Williams, um, who plays opposite Jalen Ramsey with the Rams. And um, Darius Williams was was has been was a member of the Ravens um, for uh, the first year of his career, I think. And uh, we couldn't keep him on the roster, and then we lost him. Kind of think of the path not travelled, and it'd have been great if we had him to step in now. But hopefully, you know, one of the reasons why he didn't stay was because they were import- They thought it felt it was important to keep Averett. So you know, hopefully, we've got a guy that that can step up. Yeah, fingers crossed. So, so before we wrap up, because I said this would be quick, but does this does this do anything to change how you think the season plays out? Do you think this will all settle down and the Ravens are more or less going to end up where you predicted in in the last podcast, or does this change things, lower them down a, a couple of notches, maybe? It does. It it, it does uh, lower it down literally a couple of notches for me. I think just because. Um, not so much the Gus injury, I don't think. I think if um, if we can, uh, I, I think the first couple of games where it'll really take Latavius Murray a little time to bed into the offense, um, we're kind of going to end up where I thought we would anyway. Uh, I think I think we'll be one on one after the first couple of weeks. Um, I think the loss of Peters is the the the, the turner for me a little bit um, because he can single handedly maybe win you a couple of games just with an interception or a pick six. Um, and also, Averitt might give up a couple of big plays that could be, you know, um, deciders uh, at the end of it. So um, I still think we're going to, as long as we don't have <laughs> any more uh, major problems, as long as we don't go down a, a rabbit hole of despair um, with, with multiple, multiple injuries across um, yeah, multiple units, um, I still think we're in good shape and we're still um, a well above average uh, AFC team. So I, I would. Um, downgrade my uh, 14 and 3 um, and I'd probably put us around and I'm still being optimistic here so I'm going to take it down a couple of wins and put us at 12 and 5 for the season yeah it takes uh, so I think I was at 12 and 5 anyway Ben so <laughs> I, I would probably bring us down possibly to 11 and 6 I feel, still think we'll have plenty to make the playoffs um, I think we've got plenty for the regular season um, the, the postseason will be will be what's probably the most interesting out of these injuries um you know we we you know we have bags of quality elsewhere um and it's you know peters was a cornerstone player so it will will be difficult without him but um i th- i think it just reduces the margin for error in the postseason um the, the one thing i would say is that um eric de costa is a he he spends a lot of time with um with Sigmay Dow and um, the, I can't remember the Orioles' new GM, um, the baseball team in Baltimore, the Orioles. Um, but anyway, I should I should remember this because <laughs> when we were there a couple of years ago, he'd just been hired, and we were walking around just sort of mooching around the Cal Ripken statue, and there was a lady there with a couple of small dogs, and we got talking to her because we were British, and she said, "Oh, you're here, you know, why are you here?" So we're here to the Ravens, and she goes, "Oh, my husband's just been made." 
GM of, of the Orioles, and I, and I can't remember her name either, but she's really nice. <laughs> so I, w- I could I could fake in that I remembered it, but I've just Googled it. Um, so Mike Elias is the general manager, and, and um, Sig Dal is, is his sort of number two, and they both came from the Houston Astros and were big kind of data guys, analytics, while Sig Dal was used to play for um, NASA. Uh, I used to play for NASA. I used to work for NASA. Um, so he... Um, He's kind of like a, a big analytics guy. And, and Eric DaCosta apparently has taken a lot from those guys. So um, Eric uh, DaCosta, I think one of the things that you see in baseball is that they um, they trade towards the end of the season if they're a, if they're a competitor. So if they're competing to win, they, they make trades um, that are often known as rentals. So they're guys that are coming towards the end of their contracts. There's only a year left and they trade things they trade future prospects or, or draft picks for them so i, I think don't rule out to costa looking at this roster towards mid-season towards the trade deadline and thinking maybe i'll just do maybe i'll go all in and we'll, we'll trade some of those draft picks that i've that he's accumulated um and 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 go all in and and, and go and find a, a corner who's maybe coming to the end of his deal um, and and think that we maybe get a rental for a year and see what goes on. So I don't I don't think rule that out. I think we will need that to reduce the margin of error in the postseason, like I said. But I think we've got plenty to get into the postseason. Well, we've got some time uh, before we get to that stage, and a lot of games to be played before we get there too. So uh, Monday against the Raiders, first game of the season fewer starting players than we expected going into it but it's going to be very interesting to see how a lot of these guys do um do remember to uh, sign up for our meetups uh, in london and uh, in the north if you haven't already check out the facebook group check out twitter um and we've just been joined like at this very late stage by gaz who can just come in and say goodbye He's got back in from the bar gaz i've just got back in i i have this really weird feeling come over me that i've left the podcast to shane and it's going to be doing a good job, and I might lose my full-time job as the host. So I thought, if I just jump on late, try and derail the show, um, <laughs> that 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 will put me in good stead to come back as the the host next week. How is your how is your thirty minute podcast going, guys? It's it's been uh, good. It's gone forty minutes, isn't it? It has. It's this is inevitable that we're not terribly good timekeepers. I think regular listeners will have discovered that. I just wanted and, to check and- in and make sure you talked about the numbers. We talked about twenty-eight and thirty-three. No, no. This is why we need you on the podcast. Oh. Yeah, and Gaz, you you joined just as I was talking about NASA. You know, you, when you're not here, that's what happens. <laughs> that's fine. I'm, I'm I'm very much looking forward to listening to the podcast back tomorrow or whenever you're going to release this. Twenty-eight and thirty-three. Uh, twenty-eight. The last time I remember someone wearing it was Terence West, which was one of these random <laughs> running backs, which seems like a really fitting number. And when I looked at 33, I believe Matt Elam, famous from this week's earlier podcast, switched to 33 before he left the Ravens. He did. So he like, ruined my rookie jersey, like, not only by his poor performances, but then changed his number. Yeah, when I, when I Googled it, there was, a, there was a lot of articles saying that um, Matt Elam is might disappoint his fans by who have bought his jersey by changing to 33. <laughs> I think, fortunately, he found many other ways to disappoint his fans before it came to the jersey switch. Yes, disappointed his fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
sorry. Yeah, anyway, sorry. But... I'll let you get back to it. Sorry. I'm well, no, no, mate. It's been it's been lovely, uh, lovely uh, having you join us, and uh, we we've done the fantasy, so we're okay on that. So it's just the numbers, and, and now I think we've checked everything off the the UK Ravens podcast bingo. I think we have. So that's it. We're going to wrap it up now. Um, we are. 15 minutes longer than than we aimed for but uh, hopefully it's been informative we'll be back next thursday uh, when no more ravens will have been injured and everybody will be fine thank you for listening thank you for listening to the uk ravens podcast this podcast is created hosted and produced by members of the uk ravens Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. <laughs>